Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Nationals Podcast. On today's show, Renee Washington, the new host of the Locked On Wizards Podcast, joins me to talk about the NBA restart and the comparisons between the NBA and MLB when it comes to things such as uh, social justice and the response to COVID-19. Part two of this interview will run on Tuesday, so make sure you guys look out for that as well. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nets have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! You are listening to the Locked On Nationals Podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here with me, Renee Washington. We are doing a joint show today. It is a meeting of the DC uh, sports podcasters. Uh, Renee from the Locked On Wizards, newly with the Locked On Wizards podcast. Welcome to uh, welcome to Locked On, Renee. We're glad to have you along. Thank you, Josh. I'm happy to be here. It's exciting to be a part of the DC Sports District of Champions podcast network and to cover the Wizards. I'm also glad to collaborate with you on the show as we get into the Wizards and Nationals. So thanks for for having me here. I know, and, and the Capitals play today. I mean, there's sports. Our sports are back in our nation's capital. Um, First, want to get to know you a little bit, just so you can you know, plug the show. Uh, how did you come about to come to uh, to Locked On, and you know, what's your background? Um, you know, yeah, just kind of tell the people, you know, uh, how you came here. Yeah, absolutely. So, personally, uh, my background in sports actually starts as an athlete. I was a three-time All-American Division One soccer player. Played a little bit of pro soccer. Um, have worked in sports reporting for a handful of years now. And as of uh, late, I've been working with ESPN and Fox Sports. So with ESPN, I cover college games. With Fox Sports, I cover DC Sports, actually. So the Mystics and Wizards. And was looking to expand my role and saw the opening for Locked on Wizards looking for a host. And thought I'd be perfect to step into it. And here I am. You know, it's been a pleasure covering the DC Sports. Um, I started working with the Mystics last year leading up to their WNBA championship. So I couldn't have timed that any better. And then coming into the Wizards um, and expanding in my coverage for the Wizards, I should say, this past spring before COVID shut us down. So um, just been looking to cover this young team that's really looking to turn a corner. And it's been exciting for the most part to help be a part of telling the stories that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've, everybody in this podcast who listens knows I'm, I'm a huge basketball fan. Um, and the Wizards restart, you know, it was – Kind of an odd one, obviously, with, you know, Burton saying first he wasn't going to play, and then Beal, and quickly it became, can the Wizards, you know, make the playoffs? And I think it became much more of uh, kind of what, you know, eight games is not a lot of time, but also, you know, enough to kind of see what this team is going to be working with and kind of get a feel for which parts of the team are going to be with them 
not maybe long, long term, but mm-hmm. in the future as they kind of navigate. And I mean, it's a weird thing, right? Because Brad- the Bradley Beal trade rumors will never go away. Uh, it feels like it feels like somebody's always, you know, floating that out there because of uh, how, you know, where the Wizards have been. Obviously, John Wall with there too. So, I mean, the Wizards, for the spot where you're coming into covering them, there's so many storylines, you know, with, with kind of how things are going. And that's one of the things I really actually enjoy about this group. You know, it's something that I've talked a lot on Locked on Wizards about is just this underdog young group that's been written off time and time again, especially, as you mentioned, once DB and Beal opted out of the restart. It has been a team that's been um, under the radar and overlooked in every aspect. So to see these young players that are really just trying to make a name for themselves in the league, and right now we're seeing players like Ruby Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown Jr. that are stepping up to show that they're a player that can be a part of the growth of this franchise moving forward. Isak Bonga, the, the list goes on. Right now, I think that's one of the most encouraging, exciting parts. Yes, we can look at the eight games and say, oh, they're, they're 0-2 coming into the game versus the Pacers for the restart. And, you know, all, all hope is lost. They're not going to make the playoffs. But the biggest thing about this Wizards team is it's so much bigger than just these eight games and so much bigger than the playoffs that they're working towards. So that's what makes all of this kind of fun to watch because who knows, a year from now, the league itself is going to look completely different as players that are injured like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, the first two that come to mind from that Nets team we saw Sunday versus the Wizards. So many players are going to be, are going to be different. You know, you're going to have a hopefully a healthy Beal and a healthy John Wall for the Wizards specifically. The league itself is going to change. So I think right now the biggest thing is seeing this Wizards team and, and for anyone that is so small-minded to be focused on the eight games, you're missing the picture. This is, if you're looking at this team and now you add in Bradley Beal and John Wall and Davis right. Burton, I mean, that, that in, in itself makes this group so exciting to watch. So that's something that for me is making this, you know, fun to be a part of because we're kind of in the, the grassroots level here. Now Davis Burton, John Wall, DB comes back. This is a team that is competing for a top spot in the East, hands down. And I think that's the biggest thing you have to take away from these eight games. It's like their tryout period that we're watching happen live. So I'm curious to know, Josh, your thoughts as we've seen the Wizards right now between their three scrimmages and their two first games at the restart, official games against the Nets and the Suns, you know, your takeaway from what you've been seeing on the floor for them. So I, I love Rui. I've, I love him at Gonzaga. Um, I think a lot of people said Brandon Clark was the better of the two players. I, I mean, I think either of those guys was an excellent option. Kind of fit matters a lot. But um, this has been a really awesome opportunity kind of to see – what Rui has been doing and see how his passing is developing and, you know, see kind of that stuff. Um, Thomas Bryant, another person that obviously is shining through last game with, I mean, 30 point performance, I think 13 boards too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just an excellent performance for him. And, you know, is is there going to be a spot for him long-term? My large question, number one is it's gotta be, how does John Wall look just because that contract is so big and it looks really bad right now. And, that's not a knock on John Wall. It's just a knock on the fact that those injuries for somebody, you know, at the age of 31, I mean, kind of the, what he's coming back from, there's really not a great track record of play, people recovering from that. Right. So I think as much as I like to get optimistic about something, and I, I'm a huge Bradley Beal fan. I, I think it was um, a great travesty that Bradley Beal did not make the all-star team this year. I, I think that is kind of where your focus has to be. It's, it's kind of this weird cloud hanging over. The number one question is how good does John Wall look? Because I think that determines whether Bradley Beal wants to stay in DC. Like if, if John Wall is a shell of himself, then I think you're going to see somebody like Brad say, I kind of want out. And 
I, if he looks good, though, I think Bradley Beal, and who's done a great job of buying in so far, don't make any mistake about it. I think Bradley mm-hmm. Beal says, yeah, uh, you know, heck yeah, I'm back. I'm all in. I'm ready to go. That's but, a great point. Yeah, I, I think from what we've seen so far, Rui and Thomas Bryant are the two guys I'm looking at because they seem like the most um, likely guys who could contribute to, like you say, a team that could be a top seed in the East. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Postmates. If you're like me, you're thinking about dinner while you're eating lunch. And that is why I love Postmates. Right now, more than ever, it's the easiest way to get food delivered to your door, contact-free delivery with Postmates. They don't just have burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens or 7-Eleven and dropping it off outside my door. Just download the Postmates app on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get everything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery in your first seven days. Start your free trial, download the app, and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 off of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. Yeah, and that's something that when you look at I know John Wall just a video just released of him working out and watching him back in a gym, you know, and he's saying he's ready. It is definitely going to be a lot on as they claim, you know, as we talk about the best, one of the best backcourts in the league with Beal and John Wall, how will John Wall come back? As you mentioned, we've seen a number of players, Kevin Durant still recovering from an Achilles injury. DeMarcus Cousins, we've had a number of players across the league over the years that have had these injuries and it's not, There are certain injuries that are just hard to recover from ACLs and knee injuries, ruptured Achilles, you know, you know, there's some ligament injuries that are lingering that take some time to recover from that. You don't, you may not fully recover from. And especially at his age and especially given his injury history, that has to be a concern there long-term. But as you mentioned, when you look across the board and you see players like Hachimura and Bryant that are really consistently stepping up right now, that is an absolute bright point for this team moving forward that you have to kind of build off of. And also another question has been around the future of head coach Scott Brooks. That's something that as a whole for the Wizards, we just don't really know. Beal, as you mentioned, has been saying he's, he's all in, but it's a business also, you know, and if, if Wall's unable to come back healthy or if things are going on behind the scenes, we don't know about that might change his, his future and, and wanting to be a part of this team. Maybe Beal does take up one of these trade offers that, that we've been seeing floated around as rumors, maybe it becomes something that becomes true and is, is actually happening for John Wall, his, his age, his injury um, track record that he's had for head coach Scott Brooks. The fact that this team has been struggling in the East and not even, you know, this year they're in playoff contention competing for a spot, but they've been underperforming and there's a lot of question marks around the future of this team. But as they get into their game versus the, the Pacers on Monday, you know, with playing every other day, this is their back-to-back of the NBA restart. You know, what do you think this team has to do to really be more, not only just they're competitive right now, but to turn that corner and be able to close out games? What have you been seeing? They got to play some defense, end? Renee. They got to play yeah. some defense. And you were going to say it because that's they what I was, that's is, it. They can't stop anybody. And, and this kind of goes to what you're saying with Scott Brooks. It's like, look, man, I like Scott Brooks. I, I like as a person, as, as just kind yes. of a guy, like he, you know, Say what you – I mean, Russell Westbrook and Durant were hard to manage. Billy Donovan didn't even do it correctly. We saw – I mean, for a time he did, but but wasn't able to. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he took him to a – he took that team to a finals. They came, they came somewhat close. And now, now he's here, and it's tough to manage guys. And the, the problem that he's had is that the way his team is constructed is that they're just not going to be a good defensive team 
with the way that they rely on their players. So, I mean, you know, and, and that's one question when you bring John back and you bring Beal back and then you have Rui there. I mean, those three guys, none of them are defensive stoppers. No. So somewhere, so somewhere you're going to have to find some collective defense and, you know, maybe Beal gets better at defense because, you know, essentially right now he's, he's the James Harden situation. He's a DH. He is a one-way mm-hmm. player because he's got to carry the offensive load. How can you spend yeah. time playing defense when you're, you know, you are the offense. So they have to figure out these guys right now need to figure out how to play defense together in some way, shape or form. You know, I was watching a game earlier this season, they played the Knicks, I believe. And um, it was funny because I think it was Admiral Schofield. Um, I believe Justin Robinson was in the game. Um, I'm forgetting uh, another big guy, one of the bigs they had in the middle of the season they brought in, but there, these, you know, this weird collection of guys was playing much better defense than the guys who had been around for a long time. And I thought that spoke volumes about this kind of the complacency on defense. Like, yeah, you guys score a lot, but you give up more than you score. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what, you know, against the team of the Pacers that Nate McMillan has them running like a well-oiled machine. I mean, they just had TJ Warren go for 53 points and he's not one of their two best players. Um, that's, that's the struggle, right? That's what I'm looking to see. I don't care if they score 81 points tonight. Just hold, just, you know, I want to see, um, I think Wizards fans look for that progress. Yes, start yes. playing some defense. I want to see him start playing some defense. You know, that's the biggest thing that, that stands out to me is, and I've said this before on the show, it can't become a shootout, especially without Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans. You cannot make this a shootout. And without John Wall, of course. You right. can't make this a shootout. You don't have the offensive consistency and players that can just find ways to score with those three not being there. And when you look across the board, that's exactly why the Sixers lost. TJ Warren was just unstoppable in his 53-point game for the Pacers. You know, you look at what the Wizards did against the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Harris, looking at Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. They had, like, these historic milestone games of of franchise bests uh, against the Suns. You know, a player that was an obvious player to watch, Devin Booker, still they were unable to slow him down as he finished with 27. But it's just the moments that you see, it's not even just the numbers to me because good players are going to find ways to score. It's about the fact that you're not forcing teams to beat you with their, their weaker players. You're letting their best player come in and lead the team. And then on top of that, when, they, when the Wizards have defensive lags, it's bad. There are moments they are just caught so flat, a player cutting back door, a pick and roll where they don't talk and, the, and, the player, and they don't switch or, or properly rotate through that. It's, it's moments that they're just caught flat standing and like, what just happened? Moments. You know, and I, I'm all for there's going to be times where you defend a player very well. You get the, a hand in their face. You close out perfectly. You do everything you're supposed to do, and they just score. That happens. But what cannot happen are those moments that we're talking about where they're just caught completely sleep and, and, and flat, and an t- offense is able to just walk it in. No pressure getting to the rim. No pressure on their shots. That, that's the areas that have got to be better. And going against the, the uh, paces, excuse me, on Monday – we know that T.J. Warren not only had a career-high game versus the Sixers on Saturday, but he beat his career-high of 40 points that he set against the Wizards in 2017. So he's someone that we've seen in the past against the Wizards have a career-high game and is going to be a player to watch, especially with them having Victor Oladipo out and Sabonis is out. Malcolm Brogdon is questionable. So it's going to be a matter of T.J. Warren – Shutting him down, and with Rui Hachimura and Bonga, the two players that would probably match up against him, that's, a, that's something that's a concern. 
Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, like, I just think about how different this roster. I mean, I, I have I have to think you're going to believe this roster looks a lot different next year. Yes. Uh, yeah, just with kind of the pieces that they have and, and the guys who are floating around. And look, like, if you know, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're going to be out here, you might as well, like, you know, might as well just kind of see if you can defend anybody. You know, that's I think anybody right now, if they can prove to be, um, you know, if you give us a small window and some defense, maybe you get a flyer next season on this stuff. Um, you know, I, I think it was funny because I, you know, I wa- you watched those Lakers, the Lakers game the other night and the you know, Lakers Clippers. Um, and, you know, kind of it felt like offense was a bit at a, at a premium in those games and it felt pretty intense. And then, you know, you watch the Wizards game and I'm like, ah, same old Wizards. So, you know, there's, there's not, you know, the, the off, they, they make sure the offensive rust does not look like it's there for other teams. Um, so that's, that's something that's been compelling. Renee, if you don't mind, I want to ask you about something that, um, a lot of people have noticed kind of, you know, with the social justice aspect, and I've seen some of the stuff that you've been tweeting, um, too, because Major League Baseball's response has been kind of blasé. Um, obviously, I think it's something to do with the, the kind of the makeup of diversity in the NLB not being as great and just kind of the dynamics of that. But I wanted to get your, your opinions on kind of how the NBA has handled this situation. Um, because I the one major question I had, and I've seen this, and as somebody who's pretty progressive, um, I have seen some opinions on social media and from people who I know to be progressive that they find the NBA's, um, their kind of, you know, the calls for social justice uh, to be hypocritical considering their response to China. I know it's kind of a, a hard, you know, right turn here, but it's something that I've just been really curious about. And um, because I, I mean, I feel a certain way about you know. You can feel you can you know. You don't have to feel um, very. Uh, I'm a little way to put this. You don't have to feel very strongly about China, but you can feel very strongly about the Black Lives Matter movement. You don't have to do both. The problem with the NBA is they were they were almost they shut down basically any kind of you know Daryl Morey's calls for social justice in China. So, uh, have you had any issue with the with the way the NBA has done it in in terms of? you look at the response to China and then, you know, kind of, you look at their much more progressive active push with kind of, you know, the names, the back of the jerseys, black lives matter in the court. I just kind of wanted to get your, your opinion on all, on all that stuff. Yeah. I know there have been a lot of people that have been saying, well, what about China? You know, how do you promote and push equality and, and black lives matter, but there's the rumors and the investigation around human, human right concerns in China, you know, around, everything that's going on in the operation in China. And it's complicated. You know, I wish, I I don't know enough to fully be able to say, um, like speak clearly on what should and shouldn't be said. But I do know at the end of the day, as a whole, you know, if if it's these allegations of, you know, young players and the schooling and and the, you know, the, those that the NBA was working with in China, being true, that needs to change as well. And I think that something that really stands out to me about everything around what the NBA has been doing around social justice is that we're not just seeing everybody. Yes, Black Lives Matter is huge. I'm a, I'm a, a Black American myself. It is huge. But we're also seeing on the back of jerseys, vote, equality. You know, the, the terms that we're stand, kneeling for, I should say, and the terms that are being promoted and the messages of peace that are being promoted are more than just Black Lives Matter. Yes, we see it across the court. Yes, there's the pregame during the anthem. There's more messaging. The players are wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. But this whole push 
is beyond just the Black Lives Matter movement. That's one big part of it. It's one big cog in the bigger wheel that is being promoted here. We're actually pushing for justice, peace, equality. And that's something that I actually was tweeting out to, um, to people this past weekend because someone was saying, well, you know, if you support Black Lives Matter, you support communism and this and that and, and all these different left and right wing concepts that, that people like to push it into. But at the end of the day, I said, no, any league is the same thing with the NHL with their pregame uh, and racism speech that was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. You know, all these concepts are promoting the un- at the underlying core, regardless which box you vote in and which side of the coin you're on peace, equality, and justice. And if you don't see the need for that in, in any aspect, there's a problem. So I think that although we are not really sure exactly all that's going on around China, at the end of the day, players are pushing for a better world, which includes China, which includes Black people, which includes all ages, all demographics, all backgrounds. When we're saying vote, it's to make sure that things don't happen like we've been seeing in the past with inequality and, and injustices. So I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. While, yes, I am always going to advocate for Black Lives Matter because it affects me directly. It affects my family. It affects my life. I'm also going to advocate for the fact that equality, voting, you know, understanding how your vote does matter, which people don't are quick to just write themselves off. Every vote matters when you look at the amount of the margin from one person candidate winning to the next. And also justice and peace. If you don't want that, how are you human? <laughs> Right. You know, at the end of the day, regardless wh- what you look like, where you live, where you're from, we all should want a peaceful, justified, equal world in, in, in all aspects, for, if not ourselves, at least for the next generation. So I, I don't love what I'm hearing around China. And I'm, I'm hoping that whatever has happened can be corrected and be fixed to ensure that it does not continue. But I don't think it should stop the fight for equality around what we've been seeing the NBA doing. So I think they've been doing a tremendous job. Even the, the Nike commercial, I'm sure you saw it's been playing during every game, um, the Can't Stop Us commercial. Mm-hmm. It brought chills to, and like made me want to cry. It was so emotionally and beautifully done. The parallels of sports, you had big, big, sport, big athletes from all different sports. It was just chilling. It was beautifully done to see them, the, the double screen of, Oh, it's just amazing. So I think that as a whole, the NBA has been doing a great job. The WNBA has been doing a great job. The mm-hmm. NHL was a, a league that I was watching to see because they're also not as diverse and openly have a lot of racial and a lot of dem- discrimination within their league. They've been doing a great job. As you mentioned with baseball, lacking a little. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it lacks. And that's, and I mean, uh, once again, the way that baseball lacks is uh, they lack in so many ways right now. Yes. Just kind of direction. And I think for me, when I break, because the, the way I bring this up with the China stuff is that I expect a lot out of the league. And I think, and especially in the NBA, because um, I hold them in high esteem. I think it's a highly mm. functioning, well-run organization. So when I bring up the China stuff and I bring this up to say that I thought the NBA did a bad job because what happened in, in this situation, because um, the messaging of Black Lives Matter and, and a lot of what these players are fighting for is so important. I think their response to the, to the China situation gave people a reason to discount their response to other things. And that is the problem I have is I thought the league, you know, um, should have done a better job. And it allows people to do dumb stuff like say, well, you didn't, resp- you know, your, your response to China was poor. So why should I do it now? And right. something that you brought up and I, you know, I'm not, I don't 
pretend to be an expert on you know the the protests in Hong Kong. I've done a little bit of reading, um, but you know I I was abreast of the situation that the NBA went through, and I think it's important to understand that you know for people like you and me, it's hard to understand stuff that's happening halfway across the world in China. Right. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we're not for equality and, 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 and for, you know, fixing the issues there. It's just, it's easier for us to, to um, you know, push and be more progressive for stuff that is in front of us and things that, you know, affect us. So I think that, you know, all these calls, people say, well, why don't you speak up about this? I, I don't think it's always fair because these players are talking about stuff that they know, that they're familiar with. So mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it so important is that it's closer to them. Like, you know, LeBron's comments about China weren't great. But here's the thing. I don't need to hear what LeBron James has to say about China. I am interested to see what LeBron James thinks about some of the social justice movements in this country and what the players think about it, because this is something that they personally understand and feel right. about. And so I think that's what, I, that's what upsets me is that, you know, the NBA kind of gave a, the NBA as a league gave an opportunity for people to take away from the players argument and what the players are doing. I thought the league, um, they, you know, while I feel like most of the arguments are disingenuous against the, with the, you know, the players movements and stuff, I think the league messed up and kind of almost took away some of the voice from the players by the mm-hmm. response to China, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I know, you know, even a few days ago, there was a report that came out saying that the athletes were struck by coaches housed in crowded conditions, not given schooling as promised. I do think this is a bigger image, a bigger issue, excuse me, that we have where any sort of organization that is looking to expand and create these nonprofit um, outreach programs, you often see this happen, unfortunately, because it's not, you know, it, it is, as you mentioned, it's in China. It's not in our own backyard. So it's great when you launch, oh, we're going to do this in China and provide these basketball academies run by the NBA for, for kids. But who's over there actually running it? Who are the people that are being in charge, that are in charge? Who are the people that are being watched to make sure that it's effectively being run? You know, and I think this is also actually a bigger issue of how many times do we see these philanthropic movements and humanitarian movements to help in some area, but because it's not once it's announced and the ribbon is cut and we have the, oh, this is so exciting, we're going to be doing, doing this great thing, it's never followed up on and watched. And it's just left to whoever's running it to be in charge. And that's when you usually see this abuse happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope this also just kind of opens some people's eyes that it's not enough to just launch these great ideas of an academy for children and providing them education and providing them basketball and all these other things. Okay, make sure it's actually being run properly. Mm-hmm. Make sure, you know, you're checking in. Make sure you're having people that are randomly showing up to ensure that the facility's conditions and everything are as promised versus it just being some lofty plan that nobody ever checks up on again because you just turn a blind eye since it's in China. And I do hope that as, as we're talking through this, this through, you know, it's, it is a concept that we have to remember. Not everybody's affected by the same thing in the same way. So, you know, I am definitely am hoping that whatever happened in China gets resolved, but there, there are so many issues and we, mm-hmm. one person might lean towards promoting one versus the other. It doesn't make it right or wrong. If I'm promoting Black Lives Matter more than voting, for instance, which I do think voting is just as important, if not more important, that doesn't make, that doesn't discredit my fight for Black Lives Matter. 